We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Welcome to the Mind on My Money podcast presented by Pinnacle Trust. Hosted by RebelGrove.com publisher Neil McCrady and Pinnacle Trust financial guru Martin Palomo, the Mind on My Money podcast tackles the financial questions we're all thinking about. From paying for college to saving for retirement, from life insurance needs to 401ks and everything in between. The goal is to help you take the stress out of financial concerns and give you some tips to enjoy life while your mind is on your money. Now here are your hosts, Neil McCrady. And Martin Paloma. Welcome into another edition of Mind of Money presented by Pinnacle. I'm Neil McCrady, Martin Paloma with me here today as well. Hope you all had a great 4th of July. It is July the 8th as we tape this, getting closer and closer to the fall and football season and all of those things that uh, I think we all get pretty excited about. Return to school, got a return to school email today from the Oxford School District that, uh, if I'm honest, Martin, it kind of rubbed me the wrong way. We might we might touch on that in a minute. Um, we'll talk about my trip a little bit, some things that I observed uh, that impact the economy and, and whatnot. And we'll talk to Martin, who just told me a minute ago, he said, I said, how you doing? He goes, I'm getting my ass kicked. And so we'll find out what that means as well. First, I want to tell you that we're coming to you. I'm coming to you from the Clark Ford Studios. Clark Ford, 662-257-1900 is that number. Call it. Ask for... My buddy, Corey Clark, tell Corey what Ford product you're looking for. He'll send you a quote within 15 minutes and business hours. Right to the bottom line, no hassle, no haggle. You get your quote. The rest is up to you. You can shop that quote around, or you can do what I've done, what I recommend that you do, and that's hop into a Clark Ford today, 662-257-1900. Martin is a big shot at uh, Pinnacle. So, Martin, this will be an opportunity for you to tell the people about Pinnacle and uh, how you can help them. Yeah. Oh man. I I don't know if I can live up to the, to the title that you just gave me, man, but I'll, I'll, I'll definitely give it a shot. That's what it says on your thing, right? It says Martin Palomo, big shot. Uh, it, yeah, it says BFD on the, <laughs> as one of my buddies. Now here's a rabbit trail. That's, uh, he's in the mental health business and they have the alphabet soup stuff behind their names. And uh, just for grins on his card, at the very end, he put BFD, which just, it's a total him self-deprecating humor, but um, then which means big effing deal, right? Right. But, uh, but no, man, uh, we're, we are in the middle of transition here um, at Pinnacle. It is uh, a lot of work going on. We are, we're, we are officially in the squeeze of moving everything 
um, to our new custodian, uh, Charles Schwab. So like I've said previously, it's kind of like uh, we're trading our our old F-150, which was a great truck, um, and it lasted us for, you know, many, many years, got us got us to this point, um, but we have the opportunity to to get one of those new F-150s with uh, King Ranch, all the bells and whistles and all that stuff. So that's, man, that is actually what we're doing right now, um, enhancing some things for our clients, their experience. We have a, an app that will be, uh, it should be released I think by month end is kind of our release date for that. So, I mean, I know a lot of people, you know, that's kind of almost an, an unspoken requirement for, you know, folks you do business with is, is, you know, being able to access things through your phone or through your iPad or your tablet or, or your computers or whatever. So, um, and we've been, we've been making a lot of changes there, um, updating and enhancing our technology. I'm really excited about the change, but it is a, it is a lot of work. Um, but you know, our service to our clients, doesn't change really the biggest value that we add is is helping people navigate you know the the landmines that exist in life especially as related to their finances or impact to their finance so um you know a lot of folks have been doing it on their own especially since you know march of last year where it seemed to be pretty easy to be an investor uh now it's kind of getting its skills starting to come back into the fold where you need skill to navigate so if you've been doing it on your own or you know, the person that you're working with, uh, you just don't feel like you're getting what you need from them. Uh, 601-957-0323 is our main line. Uh, you can email us info at my P I N N wealth W E A L T H.com. Uh, and we'll respond back to you. Awesome. All right. So I went to Cincinnati and Nashville last week. Sweet. It was, we had a great time. We, uh, I actually like Cincinnati. I think it's a sneaky, cool town. We had a really cool experience. Um, we went to a um, we went to a restaurant up in the Incline District in Cincinnati, and it overlooked. Had great uh, fish tacos, by the way. Believe it or not, fish tacos in Cincinnati. Who would have thought it? Um, they were tremendous. And anyway, it overlooked the city, and uh, you could see the MLS Stadium, and you could see. Uh, Paul Brown Stadium where the Cincinnati Bengals play. You couldn't see the Red Stadium because it was blocked by the Bengals Stadium. But regardless, it was a really cool view of the city. And that's all on the river, right? It's waterfront, isn't it? Yeah. The uh, soccer stadium is into the city. Uh, the yeah. the football and baseball stadiums are right there on the Ohio River. Really really pretty area. Yeah, A lot of bars and restaurants and stuff right there. It's really cool. And then we would walk from our hotel, which was about eight-tenths of a mile from the, um, from the, the baseball stadium. We would walk up to what's called over the Rhine area of Cincinnati and a lot of cool kind of trendy kind of hip restaurants kind of thing. So uh, ate at a place called Bakersfield, maybe been the best Mexican I've ever had. It's fantastic. Anyway, there was a common theme that popped up throughout. So I'll, I'll, I'll tell you this just to sort of set the stage a little bit. Okay. So we were out late and uh, every night and then we got, we'd get back to the hotel and um, you know, a couple of those nights we'd been in muggy ballparks and so we'd take showers and stuff. It was just me and Carson, my son. Sleep. And, uh, you know, we'd turn on the TV and, and we discovered on this trip that we have very similar television interest. It's fun, funny that I don't think I knew this about him and I don't think he knew it about me, that we both really like Family Guy and South Park and stuff like that. We, we like American Dad. We like these just ridiculously stupid but kind of cleverly written um, animated 
shows. Yeah. And so we would watch them together late at night and laugh and have a really good time. It was a, a lot of, uh, it was a, a trip that I think when I'm long gone, I think he'll remember it. And I think he'll look back on it fondly. So one of the days we we were looking at the, we were in, in the Incon district and we went down. We see, he said, let's see if we can, you know, go check out those stadiums. Because we we had been to the Reds game and we were going to more Reds games. We went to three Red games, Reds games. We saw them play the Padres twice and the Cubs once. So we went to check out the MLS stadium. The Cincinnati uh, Major League Soccer team was out of town, but the stadium was still there. They didn't. They don't pack the stadium and go with them. Uh, and and it was all locked up. We couldn't get in. And um, this one woman kind of looked at us through a window, and I think she was worried that we were there to do harm or whatnot, but she, she never made an attempt to, to access us. So we left there and we drove to the, uh, the bingo stadium and Carson said, well, you know, if the soccer stadium's locked up, the football stadium's going to be locked up too. And I said, it will, but who knows, maybe, maybe there'll be a team shop or something we can go in and maybe that'll let us kind of get a glimpse at it or something. And he's like, okay. So we go, and sure enough, it's all locked up, and we, we park in the parking lot. Now, the only other car that's there at that point is a Cincinnati police car, and he goes, are we going to get in trouble? I said, we're not doing anything wrong. I mean, we're not armed. We're not doing anything. We're just going to walk over here to the gate. It's public property. We parked legally in, in a parking spot, and we'll walk up to the gate, and we'll glimpse in and see what we can see. And he's like, okay, so we'll do that. And we go do that, and sure enough, the policeman's not – bothered by a father and son going and looking at through the gate. And this man in a Bengals shirt, uh, like a polo, he sees us and he's, as he's walking the concourse and he says, Hey fellas. And I said, Hey, how's it going? So we're just looking at the stadium, kind of my way of saying, Hey, we're not, we're not here to like cause any trouble. Yeah. We're just looking. And, uh, he, he said, from out of town? And I said, yeah, we're from Mississippi or whatever. And, and, and he said, you want to see the stadium? And I'm like, yeah. And so he signs us in through the, the office, gives us this great tour of the stadium. We get to see the field. I get to go down on the field, the whole deal. It was really cool. Um, anyway, later that day, I guess the next morning, I'm at, uh, I got up early and because I couldn't, I can't sleep late. I guess I'm so used to being awakened by Rizzo, the Labrador Retriever, that that uh, even when Rizzo's not there to wake me up, I wake up at that time. And I wake up, and I'm like, keep. Uh, we uh, we had a Homewood Suites suite, and so I let him have the bedroom, and I took the living room. I slept on the very uncomfortable pullout, but that way I could get up, get out of the room without waking him up, and let him sleep. And I go downstairs and I do my workout. I get a cup of coffee, all that stuff. And I finish my workout and I'm going to get another cup of coffee to take up to the room. And all the coffee is gone and stuff. And there's a couple of people that are standing there waiting on the coffee. And I asked the lady, I said, are they, are they, one of the women who was sitting there, I said, are they going to get more? And she said, yeah, she went to get more. And it was one person. This is a a, a big uh, to Homewood Suites and Hampton Inn combined. Big, massive building right there in downtown Cincinnati. And over the course of the next 30 minutes or so from talking to people, we discovered they also had this big convention, the Moose, whatever the Moose is. I don't know what that is, the Institute of Moose or something. All these people from all over the Midwest were there for some big convention there in Cincinnati. And they were staying at the hotel and um, found out that normally on a weekend like that, 
This was on a Friday. Normally on a weekend like that where you have a convention and the Cubs are in town. For those who don't know, the Cubs fan base typically travels really well and it's not that far of a trip from Chicago land to Cincinnati and a lot of people go and they make the weekend of it. It's a great ballpark there in Cincy. And so they knew they would have a full house and the hotel was completely full. And normally they have a staff of 125 people for a weekend like that. They had 26 people. 26 people. So a woman's working the front desk, manning the whole breakfast thing and all that completely by herself. Obviously, you know why that's the case. They can't get people to come back to work. Yeah. So the next day, and I had valet parked my truck because it was just easier to valet park my truck. And on Saturday, we're leaving Cincinnati. We were driving to Nashville. We went to an MLS game on um, Saturday night between Nashville and Philadelphia. Major League Soccer, by the way, has really improved the, the quality of their product over the last three years. It's the, the quality of play has really improved. It really has. Anyway, I'm going to get my truck, and you know, you send the little scan, the 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 thing, and normally it sends you because the couple other times during the week that I'd done it, I got the truck within five six minutes. On this day, it said, "Hey, it's going to be at least an hour." Whoa! And I'm like, "Whoa." An hour, we're already downstairs because I'd sent it and checked out and left and, and gone down. And so the guy's down there, and you can tell he's a young guy and um, well dressed. He had on his boots and everything. I mean, he's busting his butt and he's already getting sweaty. I mean, he's having to really hustle. And um, I asked him, I said, Could I just go get it myself? And he looks at me and he realizes that I'm not trying to be a jackass, that I'm just trying to help. And I said, I don't want to do anything wrong. I said, but if you'll tell me where it is and you just check me out, I'll just get it myself. I'll bring it around. I'll load my stuff and I'll be out of your way. And he goes, yeah, I guess so. Come on. So I did. And on the walk, I asked him, I said, you guys bad understaffed today? Something happened? He goes, well, normally we'd have six people here right now working ballet. I said, how many do you have? He goes, me. One guy. I didn't ask anymore. There was no reason to ask. I know the answer. Yep. So here we are, Martin. It's July of 2021. Um, the pandemic is, I, I'm of the opinion that the pandemic is over. If you want to be vaccinated by now, you're vaccinated. If you don't, if you aren't vaccinated and you want to be vaccinated, you can be vaccinated within the hour. The vaccine is readily available. Um, yet people are not going back to work and we have a president I'm not trying to get political here, but the president said, pay them more. He whispers that into the mic. He's obviously making the return to work a political thing. How do you see this sort of shaking out over the next few months as we get out of the summer and into the fall and schools return and colleges open and all the things that we do in the fall. Typically, our society is busier in the fall than it is in the summer, and yet people aren't back to work. Man, I think, um, you know, and you see the job numbers, and they, and unemployment has gone down and ticked back up a little bit, um, you know, for job claims. But, you know, so Christopher and I, this weekend, and this is, I mean, I'm preaching to the choir here. We went to, um, there's a new, there's a new burger joint 
in 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 Ridgeland in Jackson. You guys are probably all familiar with it, um, but it's called Bulldog Burger. I think it was started in in Starkville. That would make sense. I think so. Yeah, it's very successful in Starkville. Yeah, um, and it was a good burger too, man. And we walked in, and they were not. We walked in at an odd hour, so we went sailing during the day on Sunday, and um, we kind of we walked in as like four o'clock on Sunday afternoon. The U.S. women's team were we're just beginning to play and we watched, we got seated. We watched the walkout of the women's team and they were 15 minutes into play. So we were probably there for 20 minutes before, you know, someone got to uh, our table and it was this one guy, he had a massive section, man. Uh, and I'm sure what it was, was, <laughs> you know, short staffed. Um, and, and I wasn't even, you know, I wasn't, angry or mean or anything like that. I, I got, I worked in the restaurant business, man. Sure. So I know what it, you know, when folks wouldn't show up for a shift and now you've got, you know, double the amount of tables. Cause I was always a, I mean, that's how I made my money was a, I mean, stickler for service. And then we had a lot of regulars. So I always wanted to provide good service because those people were coming back and I wanted them to ask for me so that I would make more money. Anyway, you know, that was, that was a trend here was, you know, this is a brand new restaurant that's, that's opened and and they're and they're having hard time staffing. But I've read I've read some articles too saying, you know, a lot of the industries and I'm going to I'm just going to call them the leisure and entertainment industry. So that's going to include, you know, hotels, um restaurants, you know, things of that nature. Uh, a lot of that workforce as I was reading this article have left the the industry and they have gone for um the more traditional kind of 8 to 5 type jobs with stability, um, you know, with benefits, with, you know, even having some vacation time. Um, you know, so I don't know, I don't know how that, those industry, those places are being backfilled. And I don't know if the pay them more is really gonna, I don't, I mean, I'm, I'm saying all this, I don't know what the solution is, um, you know, to the issue, but I don't know that quote unquote pay them more because there are people who like my wife, is a good example. Um, she was, you know, her job was, uh, was phased out during, during COVID and I get it. She's real close quarters with the people she's working with. And, you know, the business said, Hey, we're gonna, we're gonna not do this. It's not, she wasn't a quote unquote essential worker. Um, and so she's made the decision now that she's going back to school. She's going to nursing school. Uh, and so she's going to be in school, at least through December of next year. So she's totally out of the workforce, you know, and I don't know how many people in those industries, you know, either in the restaurant business or, um, you know, in the hotel business, maybe they went to a vocational school, you know, and they're going to be out of the business for, or out of the, the workforce for the next few years to be able to, to have a different type of job. Those are the things that the data doesn't tell me, um, you know, but I just look at my house and go, Hey, that's an explanation for Jen probably a laudable, reasonable explanation for, for, um, for other places. But, you know, the whispering of pay them more, I don't know that that's the solution, man. I mean, it's going to lead to, to higher inflation. Um, a lot of companies can't pay them more. Yeah. If you're in the restaurant business, for example, or you're in the hotel hospitality business, you can't necessarily just pay them more. It doesn't work like that. it, It, if it were that simple, People would already, quote, pay them more. 
it almost to me, and I, I said I wouldn't get political, but here I go. Um, part of the yeah. pr- part of the problem with Biden and, and, and that administration is that you, you have these career politicians that have no idea about business. Yeah, I mean, you're not wrong. And so the the argument, well, hey, hey, I'm this is now a a what was the word that he used? Because this is where I disagree with him completely. It'd be one thing if you're saying, hey, look, this is a negotiation, okay. But you're deciding as a as the president, as a as an arm of government, that you're going to pay these people to hold out. Well, you're not paying them your money. You're paying them my money. You're paying them the American taxpayer money. This bill is going to come in. It's going to come in for my grandchildren, your grandchildren. They'll have to pay this. We're impacting quality of life by, for future generations by allowing a pandemic to be politicized a year and a half later and, and encouraging people to stay home. Don't go back to work. It happened in Nashville at the hotel where we stayed. I won't even name it because I don't want to get the girl in trouble, but she told me that she was there that morning and she was clearly overwhelmed, doing a great job. She was by herself, answering the phones, checking people out. It was July the 4th. It was that that Sunday morning. Holiday weekend, there were people who, uh, and there was a couple on the the, uh, elevator with me who were, having to drive to D.C. because their flight had been canceled. Really? Yeah, and so they, were, they had to get back. They couldn't get a flight out of Nashville to D.C. for another day. That's wild, man. And so we have, you know, we, the, 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 there is concern out there. I mean, we do this every week. I mean, this is the Wall Street Journal right now. The headlines, stocks skid on economic worries. This belief that we that that's been out there for a long time that hey boy the fall's going to roll around and the economy's going to get back booming again we're going to get back to business we're going to get over this thing that's we that's at odds with the message that is delivered every day in the news and that message comes directly from Washington from the White House from Congress it's concerning. Inflation goes up. People aren't going back to work. I'm reading the article by Joe Wallace in the Wall Street Journal. U.S. stocks tumbled Thursday while Treasury yields sank for a fourth day as investors unwound bets on a spell of high growth and inflation. The S&P 500 lost 1.4% Thursday morning, a sharp reversal from Wednesday when the broad stock market gauge closed at a record. The Dow Jones Industrial Average slid roughly 450 points or 1.4%. Meanwhile, the technology-heavy NASDAQ composite, which also notched a new high Wednesday, fell 1.4%. Thursday's sell-off across the U.S. market was broad-based and came after investors pulled back from equities across the globe. All 11 sectors of the S&P 500 traded lower, with companies including Carnival, Discover Financial Services, and Expedia Group posting among the steepest declines. Each recently lost 3.5% or more. Last paragraph, Martin, then I'll get your thoughts. Stocks have powered to a series of new records this year, but some investors have grown concerned about the outlook for the economy on signs that labor shortages and supply chain bottlenecks may crimp the pace of recovery. The spread of the highly contagious Delta variant of coronavirus globally is adding to worries. 
Investors also are gearing up for a spell of potentially volatile summer trading when trading desks tend to be lightly staffed. Yeah, I mean, and, and dude, so I'll, I'll, I will say some of that will change. Their wording and verbiage will change with the wind, and you can see it on a week-to-week basis. Uh, you know, we had kind of some weird news, um, you know, with yesterday with, with Fed minutes, and I still, the Fed's not budging. Um, you know, and I think that's, I think that's a lot of, of people trying to figure out you know, their, their play based off what the Fed does, which we, we do the same thing. I mean, the Fed is our, our number one barometer for, you know, when we're making adjustments around the portfolio. You know, one of the things that, that we did the beginning of the year was I increased my hedges um, in the beginning of the year because there, there is some uncertainty. And you remember, do you remember the, uh, what they called, it, we, we talked about a few weeks away, a few weeks ago, and you read it and they have the quote unquote fear index, which is the VIX, uh, which measures kind of, you know, whether people are the sentiment of investors are, you know, really high anxiety or, or low anxiety. It kind of measures volatility in the markets. It's the kind of the, the over under number for, for lack of a better term is kind of 20, 20 is the, you know, if, if the VIX is above 20, you know, kind of expect, a little bit of high volatility, a little bit higher fear and anxiety in the markets. If it's below 20, you know, low anxiety, low fear, generally low volumes. And you're right too about what you said. Trading volumes in the summer are generally kind of low. The summer's a lull for, for most, you know, firms like us and, and investors because most people are out with their families, right? They're doing things. They're taking their vacations. Even the, even the, the dudes in, on Wall Street take vacations during the summertime. You know, and the VIX is still below 20 right now um you know there's been i think that sometimes the especially in the summertime and right now the media will just grasp for things to write about and then tomorrow it'll be something you know totally different it feels almost bipolar when i read a lot of what of what's put out there so i do try to look at hey what's the fed doing are they making any budgets or or adjustments um, I don't think that that what's going on in the labor market is is insignificant, you know, at all. My concerns, which we voiced, you know, shoot a year ago when we were talking about this, was, and it was the same. And again, not getting Republican. I mean, not getting Republican. Oh my God, that was a Freudian slip. Not getting, pol- <laughs> <laughs> not getting political. But you know, like the Republicans' fear for having this really long, um, you know, unemployment. Um, crutch was exactly what is happening and right now. And that was, that was their fear the whole time was, Hey, if you give people an incentive to not go back to work, they will not go back to work. And I get it. We were dealing with something that we have never dealt with before. Um, but you know, those fears are playing out today and the, you know, the labor shortage piece that's the piece that I can't really wrap my head around because I don't know where are all these people going? Cause you know, like in our state at least, and you know, several other States, those extended unemployment benefits are, are gone. They're done. They expired in, you know, in June. Um, and you still see it around here, you know, you still see labor shortages. So like what I don't know is have those people just totally exited the labor market where they've done what my wife has done 
you know, they've gone back to school. Um, they're training for a different vocation because they didn't like the job that they were in. And, you know, th those are the things that I don't, I don't know. And it will take a little bit of time for, um, for that to play out, you know, in the inflation piece, we, I, I still, I still am not convinced that, um, that we're going to have permanent periods of high inflation. Uh, I, I still think that, you know, of course there is going to be inflation year over year because last year at this time, you know, we were still kind of doing nothing. Uh, you know, we were already back to work back at the office, but I realize there are a lot of, uh, of firms who are not and, um, and who were, you know, people still working remote or, or they hadn't come back in at all. So, you know, I, totally expect that inflation year over year is going to be, is going to be there, you know, for the next, probably for the next year or so, but it's, is it going to stay? That's the, that's the big, that's the big question. But also, and I know I'm beating a, a horse to death, the long-term inflation target for the U S is kind of in that two, two and a half percent range. Well, we have been running, you know, under, our averages for inflation for, for many years. So even just to get back to average, at some point we've got to have higher inflation for a longer period of time. And it could be, you know, that inflation comes in at 2.75 or, or 3% for, you know, for a couple of years. Is that going to murder us and murder the economy? <clears throat> no, it won't. It would, what would, what would hurt us more is if inflation ran at, you know, let's call it 5% for, you know, for two years or three years, that has a larger impact, um, you know, and a shock in the economy. So, and it's just like the, the feds kind of got, I wouldn't want any of their jobs right now. They've got a couple of things they've got to do. They've got to figure out how to get interest rates back to a normal environment at a reasonable pace so that it doesn't cause, you know, this long these long-term catastrophic impacts into the economy. And then they've also got to figure out, you know, the inflation piece. How do you keep inflation kind of in check for, to get it back to a normal rate? It's a, it's a, that's a, that's a tough job. And, and, you know, and navigating portfolios is going to be hard for the average person, you know, too, but realistically the best advice for, for folks that are, don't know what to do, you know, if you're doing it on your own too, is to, especially if you've got a long-term plan, like in your retirement accounts and your IRAs or your 401ks and you're 20 years, or even if you're 10 years plus, if you're 10 years plus away from retirement, you just gotta, you have to get a plan, you know, a, a reasonable investment mix and just stick with it because trying to trade it is going to be, is going to be so hard. It's going to be really difficult. As a rule, right, in society, when you take money from people who are working hard for money and you give it to people who aren't, you, you're playing with fire a little bit from a sociological standpoint, aren't you? I, <laughs> yeah, I mean, you know, if someone's taking my money and and just giving it to someone else just because, I mean, yeah, it is playing with fire, you know, and we saw corporations do reverse mergers to uh, get their domicile outside of the U.S. We saw, you know, there's a bunch of corporations have a lot more, 
they have they have options that you and I don't have. We you and I can't just go set up offshore to avoid, you know, taxation right. or theft. Um, you know, we have to we just have to smile and take it, man. Right, here's a story. This is kind of a, a mixed bag here. I know you're up against a we've got about ten minutes or so. Also, Eric Morath wrote this for the uh, Wall Street Journal. New applications for unemployment benefits held near pandemic lows last week, while the number of Americans collecting continuing payments fell sharply in late June as many states acted to curtail jobless aid. Sounds good. Initial unemployment claims, a proxy for layoffs, rose by 2,000 the week ended July 3rd from a pandemic low the prior week to a seasonally adjusted 373,000, the Labor Department said Thursday. The four-week moving average, which smooths out volatility in the weekly figures, was 394,500, the lowest reading since March 2020. So that tells me that, kind of along the lines of what you were just saying, that you sort of expect, despite some of the the, the headlines and the and the gnashing of teeth, you sort of expect people to actually return to work as the states go, hey, we can't keep doing this. I think they, I mean, they're going to have to, man. I mean, folks are going to have to, or either, or either they've made the decision to exit the labor market and do what Jennifer did. Yeah. And, and do something and, else, right. To, to better her, himself or herself for, for the future. Yeah. But then you've got a, you know, at least a one year to two year delay of those people entering back into the labor market. Um, but you know, there are graduates that have graduated from school uh, or from their vocational uh, programs in the last, you know, year two years that that can step in to to fill some of those roles. You know, the one of the things that I don't that that I don't worry about so much is like so the you know the baby boomer generation was a massive generation, right? And then you know you're Gen X, aren't you? I was born 1970. I don't know what Gen I am. Yeah, you're you're Gen X. So Gen X was a really cool generation. Um, Damn right we were. Oh, sorry. I mean, Never mind. Dude, I think Gen X is a cool generation. I'm I'm a cusp. I'm at the end of X and the beginning of of Y. So, um, you know, I have traits of Gen X and I have traits of the millennials. But you know the the millennial generation and Generation Z are really big uh, population generations, just like you know Gen. I mean, the baby boomers were. So we kind of had uh, the Gen X generation was a little bit smaller than than the boomers, um, you know, and kind of the first latchkey kids too, uh, where families were a little bit smaller and, you know, and both parents working. Um, but so, you know, you've got these big generations coming behind, you know, a massive generation that is exiting the workforce. And some of the boomers, um, you know, stayed around in jobs longer than their previous generations because of, you know, you had the recession of the early 2000s and then you had 2008 uh, that forced a lot of those folks that were hitting, you know, when they would be retiring and having impacts on the 401ks that, you know, their parents were, had pensions from, you know, the state or AT&T or these big employers that employed them. So the, the, the boomers and the Gen Xers kind of were in kind of uncharted territory as they're approaching as the boomers were approach, approaching retirement so you had a, we've had a couple of big events you know that have happened in the last 20 years 
um, where you had, you know, a lot of the millennials that should have been buying homes, working in, you know, creating families, having kids, uh, you know, working in the workforce that were delayed because of the 08 recession and, and are now kind of really starting to enter the workforce. So I'm not, I'm not worried about, um, you know, shortages of labor where, you know, I think we've, we're kind of flat um, with, with the amount of labor that we'll have, you know, going into the next couple of decades. So that doesn't worry me. You know, you kind of look at places like China um, where they do have an issue. They've got a labor issue. They're going to have to import labor from somewhere. Um, you know, we don't, we don't really have that issue. We're kind of flat, but one of the, I think one of the bigger benefits we have too is, you know, the U S is very attractive for really skilled labor, not just like physical labor, but I'm talking about intellectual labor. Um, so we get, you know, we do have, we import a lot of brain power and, um, you know, and technology, technology in itself too, is kind of deflationary. Um, so, you know, as we even have, even as we have some labor crunches, we have technology in a lot of places that can step in and, and provide a bridge, um, you know, for, for having, not having as many physical people, um, in a workplace. I mean, that's even happening for us right now, as we transition, you know, into a new entity, there's a lot of technology that's helping me um, not have to have people in the roles they were in previously. So I've been able to repurpose some people and, and, and honestly, I'm, I have a little bit of capacity in my staff here too, where they could pick up doing additional things. I'm not going to have to hire new people for roles because technology has given us such a lift. I've got capacity for, you know, for taking on more relationships and having more business. And we kind of see that happen, you know, kind of across the, and we're a service industry, a service economy. So you kind of see that happening across the, you know, the U S too, but you know, where we see the holes is in the places like you're talking about, you know, you can't have a, a machine is not, well, I guess it could, but a machine is not going to replace, you know, the staff at a hotel. Uh, the machine is not going to replace the waiter that's coming to my table to, you know, to take my, my burger order. Those, those are going to be people jobs. Um, and technology is not going to, is not going to give lift to those areas. All right. Last thing we thought, no, no, you're good. We talked about this at the beginning. We only have a few minutes left. You said you were getting your ass kicked. So what's, give me, give me what's happening there. You getting in. Man. I presume that doesn't mean you're you're out having fist fights with people. So what's going on? Uh, no, 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 not having fist fights with people. Thank God. No doubt. Um, no, man, we are. So we are in the squeeze of this transition. We're changing our custodians, which I've said, you know, the at the beginning of every show, um, we're changing our custodians from SEI to Charles Schwab. So those are the people who, you know, do the reporting to our clients on their statements, what they hold, but it's also the chassis for the technology. Um, that we're able to to stack and and have for the benefit of you know for us on the work you know in our day to day work stuff and then also for our clients. So that has been we are literally having to we we call it repaper. So every client that has an account with us through SEI is having to get an account on the Schwab platform. So I'm having to regenerate all of the paperwork for all of our clients and get them to sign it and do the physical transition of, you know, the funds leaving SEI and moving over to Charles Schwab. So it has been, you know, just that process has been, um, 
everything that I expected, you know, and some. So uh, with with any new thing you're doing, there's going to be obstacles. I mean, any business owner that's listening to this or any manager or, or shoot, man, even if you just worked in, in a business that's gone through a change, there's going to be things you don't expect to happen and you got to figure out how to deal with it on the fly. We've had a couple of those uh, already crop up and, you know, fun little bloody noses and you figure out how to, how to work around it, man. But it's going to be our busiest time is going to be through really through the end of August, maybe through the end of September. That's just when we've got, you know, stuff going out, people signing it. And I have, we're having to do it in waves because, you know, we have, gosh, probably uh, almost a thousand relationships here. And if you say that's an average of, you know, if a person has two accounts or three accounts per per relationship, you know, you're talking about two, three thousand accounts that we're having to create all the paperwork. And Schwab has given us a tremendous amount of lift there helping us, but create the paperwork, send it out, get it signed, get it processed. And there's always things that are missing. So I'm having to go back and fill in blanks. So it's been a, it's, it's a lot of work, man. Uh, and I've asked a lot from my staff and they have, they've really risen to the occasion to, you know, I told them, I was like, Hey, we're, I'm going to ask you for nights and I'm going to ask you for weekends. I've never asked you for nights and weekends. And, uh, I was like, but just to get this thing through, I need your, I need, need the help. And, and no one has, no one has balked and, you know, and I've, I'm not, I haven't canceled people's vacations or anything like that. Definitely not doing that. Folks have had their vacations, but, but it's, uh, it's a lot, man, but it, it's, I'm excited about what's, um, you know, where we're going, the direction we're heading. It's just, uh, got to rip the bandaid off to get there, man. Along those lines, I know you have somewhere to be here in about 18 minutes. So we're going to, we're going to close it down uh, now. Thanks to everyone for making us a part of your routine. We'll be back again next Thursday with another edition of mind on my money. I think pretty much I'd maybe have a little bit more summer type stuff, um, over the course of the rest of this month, but we ought to be back into a really good routine by the 1st of August as everybody gets back into school and um, football season and routines and all of that stuff. So for Martin Palomo, I'm Neil McCready. Until uh, next week, take care. This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.